to tonight's edition of the Draft Countdown Podcast. I'm your co-host, Brian Bosarge. As always, my co-host, Shane P. Hallam. Shane, we are 49 days, 22 hours, 59 minutes, and 44 seconds away from the 2022 NFL Draft. And uh, I'm going to keep my comments short because I know we have a lot to go over today. It has been a busy, busy seven days since we last were on the air uh, last Wednesday. Uh, we, we, you know, I did two days of the live stream with you. You held down the final two days by yourself, killing it. And uh, and then, you know, trades start happening right after the combine. So <laughs> we got a ton to talk about. Yeah, we're going to talk about those trades and uh, your seven round mock draft got put in shambles in one day, Shane. One day <laughs> it's got put in the blender, and then two days later it's it's just trashed. You know, I, I try I try to quick update, and then today I'm like, you know what, I'm throwing in the towel. You'll have a new one in a week and a half. There you go. Well, Shane, uh, you mentioned it, man, and uh, it's we got a lot to talk about, a lot to talk about. But we have to start with what is, without a doubt, the biggest news of the week that affected everything. The Broncos have acquired uh, quarterback Russell Wilson from Seattle. Uh, Let's break down the details of the trade. Denver acquires quarterback Russell Wilson and a 2022 fourth-round pick. Seattle acquires a 2022 first- and second-round pick, pick uh, a 2023 first- and second-round pick, a 2022 fifth-round pick, and veteran players quarterback Drew Locke, defensive lineman Shelby Harris, and tight end Noah Fant. Shane, blockbuster trade. Break it down. I actually think this trade is decent for both sides if Russell Wilson wasn't going to work in Seattle anymore. I mean, I think if you're Denver, I know some people are bashing them, saying they gave up too much for a 33-year-old quarterback. I mean, quarterbacks play a lot longer now. Russell Wilson, not. I think he's still really good. I think last year, a lot of there are a lot of things that went wrong with the Seahawks, and he wasn't the main piece of that. Um, but I mean, for, for the Broncos, you, you know, you give away the first and the second, you still have a second this year. You still have two thirds. So it's not like they can't fill holes that they have in their team. And they don't have many holes. Like this was the biggest and they just filled it with a top 10 quarterback, maybe even top five quarterback in the NFL. And I think if you're the Seahawks, oh, you know, we, we saw them cut Bobby Wagner as well. I guess they're going full rebuild here. Um, then yeah, you know, get those assets back. It's it's kind of crazy. I don't know if you feel this way, but it feels like the Jamal Adams trade uh, completely wrecked their franchise. Like they lost those picks and thought they were going to contend, did not, and they they lost the top ten pick um, for a safety that's barely any you know good, let alone you know being amazing. And now it's it's full rebuild mode. I just think um, for Seattle, if that's the way you want to go, I think they got enough, um, but. I mean, I like it. I think the Broncos are contenders now in, in what's going to be the toughest division of football for sure. I'll look at it from Denver's side really quick. You said it best. Their de- their defense was really good already. They've got the weapons in place on offense, just, just minor knick-knacky holes they can fill here with the picks that they have. Uh, from Seattle, not only was Jamal Adams trade a disaster, and it looks even worse now because you should be picking nine and ten, not just nine now. But the first-round picks they've had in recent years, they've just missed, completely missed. Uh, You had the defense line from TCU a few years ago. Uh, Rashad Penny, not worth a first-round pick. He's been okay when he's healthy, but not worth a first-round pick. They just haven't 
uh, nailed those picks. And then, so it leads me to worry about, you know, they are, it appears completely blowing it up and starting over. Uh, Do they have it to actually hit the picks they've now acquired? I, I, I really don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, that, that's the big question. Do they take a quarterback at nine? Do you think you have a franchise signal caller in this draft? And, you know, if you're Pete Carroll and, and John Schneider, like, do you feel like, uh, you know, this is going to be a long-term process, kind of like what, what the Lions did last year and build the other things? And as you said, they haven't exactly had a great hit rate in the the, the first day. I mean, Dwayne Eskridge even last year I thought was – uh, a pretty bad pick to make, you know, for a team that, that needed some things and they just felt like they were dandy and fine. Um, so I think it's a fair question. I, I don't know. And I, I'm honestly, if this was going to happen, I'm a little surprised Pete Carroll didn't pull Sean Payton and just, you know, let someone else handle it. Well, it seems like he signed an extension knowing that this was going to happen. Uh, LJ Collier was the uh, guy whose yeah. name I couldn't remember earlier. Um, so yeah, uh, and, and you mentioned it, and there is going to definitely be a philosophical discussion. I think we'll probably we'll probably talk about quarterbacks a little bit more here as we go along, obviously. But uh, you know, there there are people now trying to link uh, Pete Carroll and Seattle to Matt Corral just based off interactions at the combine. Uh, Pete Carroll hanging out with Lane Kiffin in the crowd in Indy, and you know whatever. So let's let's get that rumor mill started. Uh, if if I had to guess though. That at this point, that might be at you know that second round pick, uh, or maybe you know parlaying back into the first round. Um, I don't think that Corral is going to be the pick at nine. Um, but yeah, but Denver, uh, Denver gets Russell Wilson, the AFC, and I mentioned it after the Bengals lost the Super Bowl. You know, everybody's like, well, they'll they'll have a chance to get back. Will they though? <laughs> AFC is brutal, man, and it just got a lot worse uh, now with adding Russell Wilson to Denver. But not the only quarterback on the move, Shane, as we found out today. The Colts, who um, don't have a first-round pick this year because they traded it for Carson Wentz, uh, have now traded Carson Wentz because that didn't really work out. At least they realized it wasn't going to work out. And amazingly enough, they got more than a ham sandwich uh, in exchange for um, this. The details of this trade, Indianapolis gets uh, a 2022 third round pick, a 2023 third round pick. Uh, that can be a second if Carson Wentz plays 75% of the snaps, similar to the Philadelphia uh, trade this year. And they swap picks in the second round. Uh, Indianapolis will come up five spots from 47 to 42 uh, in exchange for Carson Wentz going to the Washington Commanders, who also agree to eat his entire salary. So not only are they paying all the money here for a quarterback that is being basically booted out of town, they gave up picks to do so. This seems bad if you are a fan of the newly minted Washington Commanders. Yeah, I, I, I think if you're the Colts, I think I think it's as good as you're going to get. I mean, it makes last year's trade look really bad for you that you you know acquired him, and it almost makes me feel like I know Wentz was played pretty poorly late in the season, but he actually played decently early. And it makes me think maybe if Frank Reich's giving up on him, like 
so there's something more than just the play on the field here. Like it's not happening. Right. Uh, um, you know, I think for Washington similar, I think they probably think they're in a place similar to Denver. I don't know if they actually are. Um, cause I think the defense wasn't great, especially in the secondary last year. And, and um, you know, still use another weapon, but I, they probably feel like they're a quarterback away. Carson Wentz isn't going to be Russell Wilson, who they tried to get. They tried to get Aaron Rodgers. They tried to get Russell Wilson. This was kind of plan C. And um, it seems like, well, he, maybe he's good enough. We can rely on Antonio Gibson and, uh, and the like to get it done. I think he's an upgrade. Like, I think he's much better than Taylor Heineke is. Um, and honestly, I'd probably rather have Carson Wentz than Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, maybe not for that salary and trade compensation, but that's that's the case um but a lot you know locks you in i think the nice thing is his deal in, in a year or two they have some outs so if things don't work out but it's an awful lot to give up and i don't know i don't know if you feel this way but i almost feel like that second round swap is, is on purpose like there's someone that, that the colts want in the second round maybe it's a maybe it's a desmond ritter maybe it's a quarterback if they don't get someone else if they don't trade for somebody else or sign someone but it seems like that was is too deliberate. That usually doesn't happen in trades, uh, especially early in the draft. I have a thought on that, and it ties into our next subject line. But I'll, I just want to I want to finish this up really quick. Um, is this basically an indictment on what Washington thinks about the 2022 quarterback class? That basically they almost sat in a prime position to maybe get whoever they wanted because it doesn't seem like right now we're, we're lining up to see a quarterback get drafted in the top 10. So Washington sitting there at 11 was primed to get who with the, the pick of the litter. And they are like, no, we, we, we don't want to. I think we, and we knew it. I, I know everyone wants to bump these quarterbacks up just because they're quarterbacks, but teams know if they would rather have Carson Wentz, and Jimmy Garoppolo and Mitch Trubisky and Marcus Mariota than this quarterback class, um, that that's a problem. And that's it absolutely is an indictment of that. Because if you're Washington, you say, okay, I, we can spend this first round pick. This guy, he's good enough. He could take our team where it needs to go. You would have made that first round pick. Like he could win a Super Bowl as a rookie. That guy doesn't exist in this class. And I, I 100% think it's an indictment of this class. Uh, does it mean that none of them will be good? No. Uh, but it probably means that we're looking mid to late first for any of these quarterbacks to go ultimately, unless Seattle has pulled some surprises with their first round picks before. So uh, I won't count them out, but I, I do think that's likely what this entails. Uh, both of us have our top 300 big boards being updated post combine coming up uh, yours tomorrow, uh, mine on Friday. Uh, I can say this, there will be one quarterback that is ranked in my top 32 prospects coming up and he will not be ranked in the top 25. Oh, that, that, that is uh, interesting and a little bit, a little bit spicy. Let me look at mine real quick. I have, um, I have, I have more. <laughs> I have um, three in the in the top thirty-two, but um, one of them is at thirty-two, so it's it's very very close. Um, but uh, you know, I, I definitely bumped them up a little bit. So I'm a I, I am still a little higher on this class. I still think they're better than they seem, but it is uh, it's tough out here in these quarterback streets. Yeah, 
Uh, speaking of quarterback streets, uh, the streets are paved with gold for one Mr. Aaron Rodgers uh, agreeing to stay in Green Bay for a rumored, not confirmed, four-year extension for $200 million, $153 million guaranteed. Again, this is nothing that's been, you know, out and out confirmed yet by anyone, Green Bay or the like. But if those numbers are to be believed, that is a heck of a commitment to Aaron Rodgers uh, and rightfully should be. He's one of the top three quarterbacks in the league, without a doubt, in my opinion. Uh, So this obviously means that their first round pick from two years ago probably shouldn't have been their first round pick two years ago. Jordan Love, who they traded for, to move up to get. Uh, he's got to be on the move now, right, uh, is just a, a assumption here. And if he is, I mentioned it, you know, teasing his back. Uh, the Colts seemed to like him a few years ago uh, coming out per the, the, the the rumors coming out after the draft. Uh, is, is he something that they could be targeting maybe in a trade acquisition? Or, uh, and if so, what do you think the package looks like in a Jordan Love trade? Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I feel like it could go either way for in terms of him getting traded. Um, I think it would be smart to do, but might be might be tougher. Like I, I don't think he's going to command a first. I don't think he's going to command a second. Um, I think you're looking at if you're Green Bay, like hoping to get a third round pick for him. Uh, and maybe a late rounder tossed in. I think that's probably best case scenario for them uh, at this point. And, and they might just want to hang on to him and with Rogers, maybe volatility. I don't know. Um, we've seen stranger things of, of teams not trading guys that they're never going to use. So we'll see. Yeah. It just, it just seems odd that they would hang on maybe to get, because his salary would technically only go up from here. And then obviously they would then be in the fifth year option dec- declining after next season. So I guess we'll see. Uh, but yeah, Green Bay stays. I mean, heck, with all the movement seeming towards the AFC, Green Bay's even stronger now uh, as far as NFC uh, power, uh, so to speak. Uh, speaking of teams in the NFC, uh, this was a bit surprising to everybody. I think we all knew that Atlanta would be moving on from Calvin Ridley. I didn't think we expected it to happen this way. Uh, Calvin Ridley suspended one year by the NFL uh, at minimum for gambling on football games. Uh, he was out. Uh, he was not playing, and but did gamble on the Falcons. Uh, to win at least, uh, said he only bet $1,500 or whatever. And, you know, he basically tried to tweet through it, which isn't generally the best way to go about it. But um, so I guess, you know, Ridley's done in Atlanta. I think we can, we can square. We, and we had, we already knew he was done in Atlanta. Um, is, is wide receiver, was it ever going to be in play at eight to replace him? And does this really change anything? I, I don't think it's in play at eight. I don't think it was going to be in play at eight, even if he moved on. Uh, I mean, you know, Kyle Pitts, they drafted last year, is essentially plays receiver. Let's let's be real. If you look at the staff counts, he's not he's not in line. So they, they still have a wide receiver one. I think Russell Gage is underrated. 
Um, I think he's a fine player. And this is a really deep class. They have a couple second-round picks. I think they're going to use those. Um, and as for Calvin Ridley, I, I actually – I don't know if this is more of a hot take, but I, I question if he's ever going to play football again, um, to be honest. You know, not necessarily because of the gambling or because of anything else, but even after this, for Ridley, it's going to be one – one and three quarter years before he's, he's played a snap of football and he's going to be a free agent. He, you know, uh, who knows if he makes a team um, and if he still has that talent, he still has that drive. I think there's just a lot of things that can go wrong here. So admitting it on Twitter probably means this is not getting reduced. <laughs> right? Like, like, you know, you could have pulled the old, my friend took my cell phone and you know, or something, but um, yeah. So I, I, I feel bad. Um, I think it's a much bigger conversation that we have here, but like, I understand why the NFL has to be harsh on gambling on football. Like I get it. Um, you know, but at the same time we had rumor, uh, I guess not confirmed, but then an owner willing to pay their coach to lose games. And that's fine. You know, that's fine. Uh, nothing's going to happen there. Or we've had off the field situations. I feel would warrant much worse things be swept under the rug. Um, but I get it. Uh, but it just it just doesn't feel equitable uh, if that makes sense for Ridley and um, you know I, I hopefully he can come back and play again. But uh, the Falcons, def I think definitely now will just put that in the past. I'm not saying every player has an entourage of some point of some kind, but how are you not getting your buddy to make these bets for you? <laughs> come on, man. Anyway, let's move on. Uh, Franchise tag deadline has come and gone, Shane, and this – I'm anxious to get your take on how these franchise tags may affect some draft decisions here uh, or if they will at all. I'll, I'll go through the list really quick. I'm not going to give the dollar amounts, uh, but Green Bay and Tampa Bay tag wide receivers Devontae Adams, which Adams wasn't going anywhere once Rodgers came back. I think we all knew that. Chris Godwin gets tagged second consecutive year in Tampa Bay. Uh, the Bengals tagged Jesse Bates. That was about the biggest no-doubter of any player to get tagged. Uh, the Chiefs tagged Orlando Brown, uh, keeping him out of a free agency. Uh, three tight ends got tagged. Mike Gesicki, who I think wanted to be tagged as a receiver, but too bad, so sad. Uh, Dalton Schultz by the Cowboys. The Browns uh, tagging David Njoku. None of those really, I think, have – primary draft uh, implications. The one that does, Jacksonville, second consecutive year, I believe, has tagged Cam Robinson uh, as their franchise player. Uh, very common these days, mocking offensive tackle to Jacksonville at one. Does this alter that in your mind, or is this just another Band-Aid uh, for Jacksonville here, and they still go with the offensive tackle. I don't think this in and of itself affects Jacksonville taking an offensive tackle one. Like, they, they needed two of them. Now, the rumor was that they were going to spend big in free agency. So I thought, okay, they're not going to tag Robinson again. They'll get a free agent in there at left tackle and then – you know, uh, I don't think Jawan Taylor's really held up at right tackle and Walker Little's probably not that guy. They still can draft one, right? Um, 
so I, what I think this could affect is they might still go out and spend the free agency. And now you have your left tackle and right tackle sewn up. You have some high draft picks that are backups. You probably don't even need draft tackle at any point in the draft. Um, so, yeah, I think that's going to be the question more free agency than this by itself. But it does make offensive tackle, I think, less likely at one than it was before the tags. Um, in theory, let's say they do like Walker Little as that right tackle of the future. And they do go out and spend big on the left tackle in free agency. Couldn't they just then rescind the tag on Cam Robinson and he gets set free? Yeah, I guess it depends on timing. I don't know what the kind of deadline is to. I mean, I guess it also depends on if he signs the tender or not. Right. Yeah. Cause that's once, once he signs that, it's locked in. Um, yeah. So that that's, so that's basically what happens, right? He'd have to sign it. I imagine he's going to put up a little bit of a fight. So that is kind of interesting. Maybe it could be a little bit of a hedge for Jacksonville. Hey, he's Cam Robinson's not going to sign this tender until the last possible minute. If we can't get a, a, a an offensive tackle in free agency, then we have him. If not, we can let him go. Could be. I don't I've never, I don't think I've seen a team do that though. Any of the other franchise tags stick out to you as far as draft implications? Yeah, I think Dalton Schultz, uh, maybe for day two, uh, Dallas, had, like the combine, every single tight end was like, oh, I talked to the Cowboys. <laughs> so I, I was almost like, mm, maybe they don't take Dalton Schultz, but I think that, you know, takes that out of play. Um, draft implication wise, I mean, I guess Adams and Godwin, we knew those were coming, but it makes receiver to those two teams less likely. Um, and not really any of the others. I was kind of surprised by Njoku, but I guess the tight end numbers so franchise tags so small that might as well. Yeah, um, I really hope the Bengals get a long term deal done with Bates. I don't think they will because it just does not seem to be their uh, history as far as that goes. So Shane, that leads us into what surely will be. A what we talk about a lot next Wednesday night on the podcast because by that by the time we come on the air next Wednesday there will be a lot of money will have changed hands as the league year starts on Wednesday next Wednesday is at 3 p.m. Central 4 Eastern I do believe is the time but as of midnight I think on Monday the legal tampering window opens. So surely nobody has negotiated deals before midnight on Monday when you can legally do that, right? Surely not every agent has talked to every team at the combine last week about their free agent clients. That never happens. No, there's no, you know, when we, when we get the, the Adam Schefter tweet at 8 a.m. on Monday, uh, it, it's just because the agent and that team where they stayed up eight hours negotiating that contract somehow got it done. Hammered it all. So, so quick. Like, uh, yeah. So I think we'll, the whole week is going to be news trickling out and, and there's going to be at least one, there's going to be at least one contract that gets announced that completely changes by the actual free agency. Who are like let's just let's just look at this in a vacuum of the just say the top 10 of the draft. What is gonna happen 
between on Monday and Wednesday that is going to completely alter the top 10? Who are going to be those big signings that are going to change that? Well, I, I feel like that's, that is a loaded question uh, ultimately because I, I feel like a lot of things can happen. I just don't see – I don't see a ton altering. Like I don't think the Giants or the Jets – uh, that have two, you know, these have two picks in the top 10, go out and spend huge money on an offensive tackle or an edge rusher, um, you know, the things that they need. I, I, I don't, maybe you do, I, I don't quite see that happening with them. I think they're going to address other areas so they can use those picks on that. Uh, I think Houston is the, where we might get some clarity for what Houston's going to do with three, because um, I think they'll probably address something in free agency that will help. Uh, and you know, I, I do think we'll know by next week kind of where Seattle, Seattle at nine, where they're going. You know, I imagine they sign or find a way to get a quarterback uh, in to compete with Drew Locke at some point. Uh, my, my first instinct of a player that could alter some of these teams was like, like a J.C. Jackson signs could, you know, alter where Sauce Gardner falls. Maybe Sauce gets pushed out of the top ten because one of those teams signed like J.C. Jackson. Uh, that that's fair. That's that's a good call uh, for sure. I mean, I think I think Teron Armstead, offensive tackle wise, is probably the name that everyone's going to be going after too. He he could go to one of those teams. Yeah, for 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 sure. And uh, I guess you know we missed it in the quarterback talk, but you know there is some some legal news involving Deshaun Watson that could maybe accelerate that process. Uh, you have poo-pooed all over the report that the Steelers will be uh, in on that. I, I'm with you on that. I think if Deshaun Watson's moved, uh, it's going to be uh, the Carolina Panthers. I think that's the if, – if I'm, if I'm picking one spot, that's the spot. I, I think it's the smart play. I just don't know how they come up with the capital. Right. They, they, there's, they have so few picks, right. like how, you know, because of Sam Darnold, like, how are you going to, it definitely could happen. I, I, I think you're right. They're probably the most likely They seem all the reports that seem to be the most in, but I mean, Houston has to, would have to cut slash their asking price. I think in half. Yeah. I mean, right. And if you're Carolina, I mean, there's no way that you would acquire Watson for anything that doesn't involve the sixth overall pick, right? That's got to be one of the ones that are going. And then you're basically the Rams now where, and you're not a good team and you don't have any picks until day three. How, how about this? If Carolina trades for Deshaun Watson, one player they send Christian McCaffrey goes to the Texans. How would, how does the fantasy world react to that Shane? They, um, um, It'd be interesting. I don't think they'd be very happy, to be fair, because <laughs> right now the fantasy world feels good knowing what Christian McCaffrey is when he's on the field. And Houston, maybe you don't know what he's going to be on the field. So That's that's fair. Um, so, yeah, that's going to – that that wraps up – that'll wrap up our uh, our what we don't know about uh, <laughs> section of the, uh, of, of the podcast tonight. What we do know a little bit about Shane is because we watched it and talked about it a lot uh, in the last week, and that's the Combine. So we both uh, put out articles this week basically with our uh, our guys going up, guys going down. Uh, 
a lot of a lot of crossover there if we're going to be honest because so i mean let's let's talk about let's talk about the big winners here man it's basically anything involving the university of georgia <laughs> like almost every prospect from georgia except nicobe dean because he didn't work out just stock up just put just put stock up on uh next to their name yeah when, when the punter's out here running four five six <laughs> You know, you you know you had a good week. Um, but yeah, I mean Jordan Davis, ridiculous. Uh Trayvon Walker, maybe just as ridiculous, but just not as hyped. Uh so I mean Devontae what Wyatt, changed killed it. Yeah, Devontae Wyatt. What what position yeah. group changed the most for you as far as in your rankings go after this combine? Like where did you see the most shifting up? Mm. Shifting up, I should say. Yeah, like moving guys kind of to the top. Um, I, you know, receiver kind of stood pat. I think in terms of moving up, I really bumped a lot of the corners. I felt like that. And maybe that's also a bit for me. I think secondary is hard to watch when you don't have all 22. Safety is a little tougher, but even corner can be difficult. So, you know, guys still like uh, Tariq Wolin, uh, from UTSA, who who I think, in terms of money made, might be you know pretty close to the top of the list um, in terms of spots and money made. Tariq Woolen uh, had a great combine, but there are a lot of players even in like the third day. Um, Damari Mathis from Pitt and Zion McCollum from Sam Houston State that just got bumps for me where I didn't expect the athleticism that we saw, and that is usually what gets guys up my list. Yeah, I think Wallen picked up a full, almost a, at least a full round, right? I mean, it, with with his uh, with his performance, uh, I thought you know as far as down goes a little bit as far as position groups as a whole, I was I'm the wide receiver group, man. I, I just I I am not feeling good about this wide receiver. Not that I don't feel good about the wide receivers themselves. Let me rephrase that. But how they stack up, like the top five, I don't know what to do. I'm at a loss, and you're going to notice this when my board comes out on uh, Friday that I really have no clue what to do with these wide receivers. Other than like, and I think we're both in agreement, the only wide receiver I think we both feel good about where he's at is Christian Watson, who is, I think, fully just fully entrenched at wide receiver six on both of our boards now. But beyond Christian Watson after that, like David Bale, what was that? That was just bad, bad, bad day for him. Uh, Wandale Robinson, not great either. So those guys were like some of those like guys I had in the second round that I'm dropping down into the, into the third round now on my board. Uh, George Pickens comes up a little bit, uh, but we still, you know, only have basically one game of tape from 2021 to look at for Pickens. So it's the wide receiver class outside of the top five is kind of a mystery to me. Uh, and how they're going to end up situated. Yeah, it, it is tough. Um, it, it gets difficult, I think, is the later that you get, and because it's not top-heavy, um, I think there's still a lot of debate with, with Traylon Burks and Garrett Wilson, and you know, um, when people are expecting that 4-3 something from Traylon Burks from Arkansas, he runs a 4-5-5, and you're like, you know, what are you going to do? And I agree with you when you get into the day two receivers, I think there's a lot of players that can play in there 
I think teams are going to have to value, you know, look at, do you take say Alec Pierce out of Cincinnati who had an excellent combine uh, and showed maybe some of what he can do at 6'3", 211, 433 speed? Uh, or, you know, do I take a guy that maybe does look better on film and David Bell, you know, but it's more a contested catcher. I think those are the questions teams are going to have on day two that they have to, you got to swing for the athleticism. Or are you going to go for maybe who has the, the better uh, film overall? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of where I'm at. You have guys like Alec Pierce, Jalen Talbert's another that had uh, that tested really well. Um, and and uh, Khalil Shakir is the other one I, I had that I thought, you know, tested better. I mean, obviously tested better than Bell and – you know, but then but Bell's production was was outstanding at Purdue. So it's 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 going to become this balancing act. And I think you said it best today, just in regards to the first round wide receivers. This is really going to be like team fit. It's going to determine the pecking order here more than any other metric. I also think that these top five receivers are so unique. Uh, I mean, we saw Garrett Wilson, I think, have a really good combine. Uh, we talked about our bets of the combine. I thought Garrett Wilson would run slower than a 4-4-2. And then, you know, of course, he comes out and absolutely crushes it and runs the 4-3-8. Um, so I think their teams are going to like him, but he's not a big guy. Um, so, you know, you could take Traylon Burks, but you don't have, you know, he only has four, five, five speed and that's how he kind of wins. So I think some teams will still like that. Drake London, more the big guy that can get separation that way. Like, I think certain teams are going to like certain players. And so I don't think what we are going to get on draft day is, oh, Garrett Wilson was the wide receiver one and Traylon Burks was wide receiver two and Jameson Williams was three. So that's how the NFL had them. I don't think it's going to be true at all. I think a lot of teams are going to have – I think you're going to find uh, boards with a different receiver at one, five different receivers at one. For sure. Um, yeah. Like, I'm, I'm almost back to where I was at the beginning, by the way, on who's going to be my number one receiver when my board comes out. So, it's, I'm, I'm back back to the future, I guess, is where, where I'm at. Yeah. <laughs> With my board. Uh, some other news came out of the combine. Uh, we talked about Matt Corral, who's now become basically the mystery of this quarterback class. Uh, of the top seven quarterbacks, he's the only one that wasn't at the senior bowl. Now he's the only one that didn't throw at the combine. And at this point, we don't even know. He's We know he's not going to work out at the, at the team pro day, uh, which is a, like in a week and a half. So at this point, our best hope to see Corral do anything is at his own personal pro day as we get closer to the draft. Uh, does that, in your mind, help or hurt him or indifferent? I think he has to work out. I think as long as he works out, it only helps him be in that group with Malik Willis and Kenny Pickett. I think Matt Corral needs to show not just the athleticism, like even if he can't run or do some of the combine drills, the agility drills, explosion drills, I think as long as Matt Crow can throw and show off the arm and the quick release, I think NFL teams would be comfortable. Obviously medical has to check out, um, interviews, character stuff has to check out. But if all that checks out, I think it will help him to at least do a personal workout. 
some not so good news on a prospect I think we both really liked. Uh, Marcus Jones, a corner from Houston, uh, was originally on the senior bowl acceptance list, but ended up not playing. We now know why. Uh, Dane Brugler reported that Marcus Jones had double shoulder surgery after the uh, after the season. Uh, obviously, which meant he didn't work out at the combine. He couldn't even get his wingspan uh, tested at the combine. So uh, I don't know long-term if that is a bad deal for him because it's not below the waist, I guess, which is where his bread and butter is. But if you're having both shoulders operate on at one time, that's, A, not great. But it also means he, uh, for a man who is should have tested – I think probably really, really good. Uh, we'll have nothing on him uh, testing-wise before the draft. Yeah, that that is rough. I think he's so hard to rank. Like, I don't know how that affects his stock. Maybe teams don't care that much. Maybe they care a lot. He's, he's one of those players, if he goes round three, I won't be surprised. If he goes undrafted, I won't be surprised. I feel like the whole range is out there, and, the, and, and that kind of sucks. Yeah, I had him as a top 100 player uh, prior to this news. I've now, I'll, I'll have him, you know, mid, at least maybe upper to mid day three now. And that's probably where I'm going to settle with him. But, you know, one of the best return men in this draft class uh, for sure. Uh, and a, and a, probably would have been a great, you know, one of the best nickel corners in this class as well. Uh, now, uh, up, who knows what's going to happen there. But Shane, uh, combine was last week, right? And it ended Sunday, and well, two days later, pro days. Boom. Pro We're days. not even waiting around, and uh, we've got some early uh, pro day stuff. Uh, yesterday, uh, two pro days, only one that really seemed to matter uh, was Miami, Ohio, and that's because Sterling Weatherford was there, the uh, safety slash linebacker who. Uh, was at the senior bowl, probably should have been at the combine. Um, if we're going to be honest, uh, played linebacker all week at the senior bowl and did it well. Uh, but we're going to keep him projected at safety at 6'4, 224, Shane, 457 in the 40, 36 inch vertical, uh, 428 shuttle, 6983 cone. Uh, ends up with a 9.11 RAS score. Uh, that'll do, right? Yes, I think that gets him drafted. I don't know how you feel, but uh, I think yeah. had the combine invites been decided after the Senior Bowl, he would have gotten an invite um, with, and maybe worked out as a linebacker, maybe at least done those drills. I don't know. But uh, th this pro day was great, and he's a good player. He's big. He's athletic. That gets you drafted. He, uh, he did work out as a linebacker and safety at the pro day per Jim Nagy's tweet. Today, uh, today there was twelve pro days. Today, Shane, we've got we did get some results from some. Not going to go through everything, but Wisconsin. Uh, by the way, congratulations to Wisconsin, who puts out a spreadsheet with all their results on it and sends it out. Imagine that! Imagine <laughs> that a school cooperating with people and getting the numbers out on their players. Amazing. And those numbers were good for the most part. The track was cooking in Madison today, Shane. 
any of these numbers uh, stick out to you as far as players that weren't invited to the combine? And we're going to come back to one player who was invited to combine because I want to get your take on him. But uh, anybody stick out on, on that, that that list? Um, I thought uh, Matt Henningsen, the defensive lineman uh, for Wisconsin, had a, a really good pro day in general. Um, you know, he, he came in with some good measurements, um, you know, good explosive drills. And for a defensive lineman, I think that's what I look for. So I think he's one of those players that could – Henningsen could, could potentially – work himself into that sixth, seventh round mix where you're just drafting for upside sometimes. So let's talk about the one player who did work out at the combine and then said, ah, well, I'm not done. Let me get some shuttles on there too because I didn't do those at the combine. Linebacker Leo Chanel. Is that is that's pronounced as Chanel, Chanel? I, I think you're right. I think I, I always say it Chanel, which is incorrect. So, so I, Chanel, Leo Chanel. Linebacker, Wisconsin. Combine, 6'2", 250. 34 bench press reps uh, as the linebacker there. And then 4'5", 340 with a 1.6 uh, split, 40 and a half inch vertical, 10 foot, 8 inch broad jump. And, oh, well, as if that wasn't already good enough, let's run my shuttles at the pro day where my three where my 20-yard shuttle goes sub four seconds, 3.94, and then a 6.84 three-cone. He now has a 10 Raz at linebacker. Man, I mean, how high can he go? It, like, is the first round a possibility? I, I, think, I think how he plays on the field – you know, for Chanel is he's he's really good. Like he's explosive. You can see that athletic ability. That that it's clear. Um, he's just not consistent. He's just a little bit raw. The experience isn't quite there that you usually have for Wisconsin for Chanel. So, but um, these workouts and enough good film to see the upside. I mean, linebacker two, I think is in reach for him. I still lean that. Chanel will fall to the early second round, mid-second round, but uh, my next mock will definitely be higher than he was last time. So how are you stacking these linebackers now? Let's just – let's just are, – are we – Devin Lloyd still LB1? Yes. So is he – will he pass N'Kobe Dean? Um, not for me. I think for the NFL, I think it's possible. I think he could get drafted over Nicobe Dean. I think it's close. We'll, we'll see if Nicobe Dean works out at the pro day. I think that's going to be important. Uh, briefly, the rest of the pro days that were today, uh, Kansas State, uh, Arkansas, which we did get some results from uh, out of there, which Traylon Burks didn't reattempt his 40, probably should have. Uh, Oklahoma had their pro day. Not a whole lot happened there that we didn't get from the combine. Uh, UAB also held its pro day, which also included Jacksonville State, which which really is just quarterback Zarek Cooper. Uh, we talked about Wisconsin. UTSA also had their pro day. Not sure if anything happened there. Uh, maybe Sincere McCormick tried to rerun his 40, which wasn't great from the combine. Alabama A&M had their pro day today, which is a quill glass. Uh, Kansas had their pro day, and uh, Kyron Johnson uh, – Sub four four forty, uh, unofficial there for their uh, for their guy who uh, we uh, had, who had, was pretty solid at Senior Bowl. 
Uh, Troy had their pro day today. Not really a whole lot of note there. But finally, Wachita Baptist uh, had their pro day day. And your guy, uh, Gregory Jr., 44640, 39.5 inch vertical, 10 foot three broad jump, 423 in the short shuttle, 695 three cone for Gregory Jr. Uh, is, he a, is he a draftable player for you or is he priority free agent? I like him. I would draft him. I think I would draft him super late. I don't think Gregory Jr. will get drafted. Just the, the, the senior bowl was kind of a mess. And playing at Wichita Baptist lower level competition, I'm not sure the workouts get Jr. into draftable range. Well, sixth, seventh round, it's pretty much who you just don't want to fight over in free agency, but it could happen. But I, I'll probably have him as a priority free agent. Some uh, notable other pro days the rest of this week. Uh, Tulsa tomorrow. Uh, I think most of the players or any draftable player they had was at the combine. We're probably not getting. Uh, the biggest one to me tomorrow is Missouri State. And uh, their defensive lineman, Eric Johnson, who also probably should have been invited to the combine after his stellar showing at both the NFLPA and senior bowls. Uh, but like you said, the invites were already in the mail by that point. So we didn't get. He didn't get his uh, Indiana tomorrow, uh, Texas tomorrow, and South Alabama. Uh, I uh, maybe we get some shuttles for Jalen Talbert. Might be the uh, our best case scenario. I uh, was going to try to go to that, but uh, other things have come up, and I will not be able to make the South Alabama Pro Day. But I will uh, try to tap into some of my sources and get try to get some numbers if they don't get out. Uh, on Friday, Minnesota, Daniel Falele, uh, I think, is who we're hoping to get some numbers on there. Uh, Michigan State, several prospects uh, we would like to we'd like to get some some results on. San Jose State and Colorado all have some solid prospects that are working out on Friday. Shane, uh, any any of those guys that you're looking forward to maybe getting some numbers on? Can we get some Daniel Flaley numbers? I'm in if we can get the big, <laughs> the big hulking, you know, 360 pound, whatever offensive tackle. What did he, what he, he come in at Senior Bowl 85, 385? 387. Oof, geez. So I'm hoping. I, I just, you know, I don't even care if they're good. I just want some workout numbers just to see what a man that size can do. Yeah. Four, sure. All right, Shane. So, we actually got through that a lot quicker than I thought we would, to be honest. That was a lot of stuff, and we, we, we hammered through that. But uh, we do have some questions to get to. Let's check the Twitter. Did we get any there? Uh, I don't know if you did. We did not at the draft countdown. Uh, I, don't, I don't think so. Twitter counts. So, but we did get some in the chat. So let's answer those questions that we have. Uh, longtime listener G10 has a couple. So we'll start with those. Uh, both cowboy related. Where do you see Tyler Smith going? Is he a possibility for Dallas at 24? Immediate guard, long-term tackle, very young and powerful. Thanks. Love the show. I think he is. I think he's in play in that late first round of Dallas. I think Miami is where I had him in my most recent mock draft, which uh, I think both those spots make sense for him. So I, th- I think he is in play. I think he, not only does he have, he had, not, you know, not an eye-popping combine, but a decent combine. Looked really good in the drills. Looked smooth. And then 
is his play solid. I think he's been uh, fairly consistent. So, yeah, I think he's in play. I have seen him mock to Cincinnati at 31 as well. Uh, what was that combine? Uh, I mean, he's 877 Raz, not bad. Uh, agilities and uh, explosion weren't as good, but 40 time was great. So, but yeah, Tyler Smith, I think, is a redshirt sophomore. So, Young, still room to grow, and that's really all you can ask for, right, when you're drafting one of these big de- – I mean, is he a developmental prospect? 6'4", uh, 324, 34-inch arms. So you like that room to grow, so to speak. Uh, follow-up question from GTN. Any chance George Pickens there at 56? So there looks like they're going to lose Cedric Wilson, right, in free agency. So we're probably looking to replace that. I think there's a possibility. Um, I think George Pickens is going to go in that second round somewhere, but I don't think 56 is too late. There'll be teams that like him. We don't know what the medical recheck's going to be. I assume everything's fine because he he did, you know, he ran the 40. I was kind of surprised he did as much as he did at the combine. Um, But, you know, you never know. It could be a red flag here, red flag there. Team prefers Christian Watson or Jahan Dotson, and Pickens falls a couple picks. So it could happen. I do think he goes in the second round ultimately. I mean, I think he, I mean, I think he could be there. I think second, I wouldn't even be surprised if he's still on the board, you know, early third round. It, it, it's very, very possible. Like you, for all the reasons you said, and just other positions pushing down receiver down the board. Uh, Adam Moore checks in. Uh, could you see the Lions grabbing a quarterback with the 32nd pick? I tend to mock, mock that pick there a lot, Shane. I do too. Sometimes I feel like I shouldn't. It feels like one of those situations where I, I mock a quarterback at 32 to the Lions and do it all the way till the draft and it just doesn't happen. <laughs> uh, or, or they take one a couple picks later in that second round and – that's you know who who I had there. So I think it's possible, but I don't think they're locked in. I don't think that the Lions coaching staff and GM feel like they have to take a quarterback, uh, and they'll kind of see what falls to them. So yeah, they could. Let's, I don't think well, that. Uh, you know, I don't know. I just pulled up uh, Jeff Risden's mock draft from today. By the way, uh, what Tyler Smith, we just talked about, he had him going 31 to the Bengals in his mock draft, which is probably why it was fresh in my mind uh, when I said that. And we mentioned George Pickens just now. Would he be available at pick 56? He has George Pickens mock 32nd to the Lions in round one. A receiver's a big need. So um, that's wild. And – but pick 34, as you just got through saying, he has the Lions drafting Matt Corral, quarterback from Mississippi. So Jeff pretty, Jeff's pretty dialed in with what the Lions uh, want to do and think alike. So when Jeff tw- uh, puts out something like that, I tend to to listen. He also had Aiden, them drafting Aiden Hutchinson second uh, for that. So, that yeah, when, Je- when Jeff talks about the Lions, I tend to listen because he's pretty pretty dialed in to what they're doing. So hope that answered uh, your question there, Adam, about the Lions and pick 32. Very possible. Very, very possible. 
All right, Shane. So let's wrap her up now. We've uh, we've talked about everything, and like I said, we're going to talk a lot more next week about everything, and we're trying to line up a guest as well for next week. We'll see. We'll see if that is a uh, see if that happens. But final thoughts on uh, on everything that's happened and and what's coming up this week. We're having our boards come out tomorrow. I realized uh, I hadn't ranked the defensive lineman yet. So uh, I don't have all those quarterbacks in <laughs> the top 32. Uh, I have uh, – looks looks like I'll have Matt Corral 21 and Malik Willis 27, and that's the only ones in the top 32. So I'll cor- correct my mistake <laughs> from earlier. Um, but, uh, yeah, we'll have that. You know, We'll have the consensus board updated. I'm excited next week. I'm doing going to start doing a series of player comps, player comparisons. I know people like those. I'm ready for the vitriol. It's going to be bad um, because, you know, I I comp on prospects and I comp guys to, you know, similar notes that I have from past drafts. So oftentimes a guy might get comp to a guy that was a bust and that doesn't mean they're a bust. If, if the bust went number three overall, then that's a really good comp, right? Um, so that's, that's kind of the case. Uh, but I think it'll be a fun thing for people to reference too. Yeah, for sure. I, I'm glad you're doing it because I have will make no bones about it. I am suck at trying to come up with comps for players, and I won't even attempt it. It's just not my game. I, I'm just not going to do it. Uh, I you talked about our boards being updated. We've talked about them tonight, uh, and the consensus board coming up on Sunday, uh, Saturday. I'll have a couple of new team mock drafts up. Uh, the New York Giants. Uh, mock draft a couple of couple of top seven picks to uh have fun with there and the los angeles rams the uh unfortunate super bowl champions uh i won't have a whole lot to talk about them because they don't really pick until the fourth round so but that that should be fun anyway fun, fun getting some see some new names that i haven't really uh talked about in that in that mock draft and of course a two-round mock draft coming up for me on monday so Got that to look forward to uh, now that we've done some uh, team pick shuffling there in the uh, first round. We've changed it up a little bit. Who knows? It may change three more times uh, between now and the time that I publish my mock draft on Monday. Yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes. So check out draftcountdown.com for sure. And, um, yeah, yeah check, check everything out. Can't, can't wait. So everybody watch this, watch along on YouTube. If you're new to the channel, follow along, uh, hit that subscribe button, like the videos and, uh, you know, hit that notification bell. So you get notified when we go live with these podcasts. And, uh, especially when we hit that notification bell, uh, seven weeks from now, when we go live every night, uh, for the 2022 NFL draft, if you listen to us audio on the podcast, be it Spotify, be it Apple, be it whoever, Give us a good review. Get that five-star rating up so we can get this podcast circulating out amongst the masses. We would really, really appreciate it. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Deep Fried Draft. You can follow Shane on Twitter at Shane P. Hallam. You can follow Draft Countdown on Twitter at Draft Countdown, youtube.com slash The Draft Countdown. And for everything that we do, daily content, every single day, draftcountdown.com. Thanks, everybody, for watching. Until next time.